Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yo, what up? This is DJ Newmark, a.k.a. Uncle New. From Jurassic 5, and you're checking out the library with my main man, Tim Onicole, on www.rapstation.com. Oh. Outside, still smelling like where the winners at. Look at all these empires under these fitted hats. Look at the grills on the cars we could be leaning on. Now look at all these unmarked cars that's grilling back. How real is that? How real it is? All of us is just pictures of what the city did. The city made us to keep it the way you see it. Released his debut album, The Salvation, in 2009. His second album, A Dream Deferred, in 2012. And he joins me today in the library with Tim Einenkel on rapstation.com talk about his newest project, Music For My Friends. He's a great wordsmith, lyricist, and artist. He's Brooklyn MC, Sky Zoo, and I want to thank him for joining me on the library with Tim Einenkel on rapstation.com. Yo, yo, what's going on? So the album is called, obviously called Music For My Friends. Besides making art for friends, what purpose does hip-hop music and culture play in your life? For me personally, hip-hop, music, culture, the whole spectrum, it is a huge part. I can't say all of, but it's a humongous part of who I am. And the only reason I can't say all of it is because it inspired me to see so many other facets of life. You know, hip-hop is older than I am. So with that being said, I'm a product of it. You know, it's, it's a part of me. It's, it's embedded in me. It's, it's within me. So it's an honor to be able to say all of that. It's an honor to be able to have an art form that reflects and represents who I am and where I'm from to be something that I'm made up as, you know, and, and, and somewhat made up of. You know, it's huge for me. In Camaraderie, the making of Music for My Friends, the documentary behind the album, uh, you said when speaking to, about your friends that the music is, quote, for them. As an artist who makes a living off his music, how do you create an album like this that doesn't isolate your fans? For me, I feel like my fans are my friends as well. I feel like the things that I'm talking about in the music, they can relate to because so far, so good. You know, everything from... Salvation, Onward, even the earlier, you know, EPs and mixtapes, Cloud Nine and different things like that. All of those things were records, music that the fans related to. And if you can relate to it and you get it and you appreciate it, then I feel like at, at this point we're friends. We're beyond just fan and artist or, you know, consumer and, you know, we're beyond all that. We're friends now. So even though the music is for my friends who I grew up with, my fans are my friends as well. So if you're a fan or a supporter, then you're a friend as well and the music is for you. So it's kind of a play on, on both sides, you know, because the music is for my friends, of course, and it's the stories and things that my friends and I, you know, grew up doing and, and the stories that that really happened in our lives but so many people when the album came out and when people got to it and gravitated towards and listened to it so many people said I feel like you're my friend because everything you're talking about I live through as well I listen to this song and I see my friends and I I look at the cover and I see my friends and I so you guys are my friends too I want to get into a couple of tracks a few tracks of the album but first it's kind of the overall a lot of the tracks talk about you know, where you grew up and what you saw and you talk about kind of the hustler and the drug dealer and like the financial benefits of being those. But for you, was there like a particular moment when you did realize that that lifestyle wasn't for you? And then how did um, how did you know when hip hop music and culture 
kind of was the best alternative for you? Well, as, as far as the lifestyle and the things that I speak on witnessing as opposed to jumping in head first on and things like that, I think it just comes from upbringing. You know, so I don't know if there was ever a moment where I realized, okay, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. I think it's upbringing. You know, I always talk about growing up in certain environments, growing up in certain neighborhoods where we saw everything, we were around everything. And with that, I understand all of that. I understand everything and, and I, I know what it is. I get both sides of it in the gray area in between. But I also talk about how I had both of my parents my whole life. So we had ABC going on outside. But then when I went in the house, X, Y, Z was going on in the house because I had my father, I had my mother. You know, I had all these people in my life. I had my family there. And a lot of my friends weren't as lucky. So in particular, there's a record on the album called Things I Should Have Told My Friends. And that record speaks on that, you know, in particular. Things I should have told my friends. Thought we all saw it. Knew how this would end yet again. Ending wasn't never understood. Word to killing everything we could. And pray we good. Said things I should have told my friends. Thought we all saw it. Knew how this would end yet again. Ending wasn't never understood. Word to killing everything we could. And pray we good. Uh, in love with living like a song of mine. But know that living off the love is only borderline. And the lines left to get a Cross to get you more could get you lost. So they said to bring across like they was talking lines. Mapping out the most heinous of a way and where you You know, I'm I'm just blessed to be able to say all that. So I don't know if there was a moment where I said, okay, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. I think it's just upbringing, but I still was able to see it and understand it and even respect why things go a certain way. So I don't judge. When it comes to that world, I don't judge. As you can see in my music, I don't judge at all because we're all a product of it one way or another. Either we're in it or we have somebody close to us in it or we came from it or we're cut from that cloth but we went another way. Whatever it is, we're all a part of it where I'm from. So I, I never judge. I understand it and I show both sides of the spectrum with that. And then as far as hip-hop, that moment for me when I knew I wanted to do this was as young as nine years old. You know, it was as early as being nine years old when uh, I heard Chi Ali, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, from Jump. It wasn't, you know, where I wanted to play with it and see and fall in love with it. From Jump, when I saw that video, I said, yeah, this is what I'm doing forever. And that was that. You actually mentioned one of the tracks I want to talk about, things I should have told my friends. How much of this track is 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 speaking from your own personal story versus you trying to kind of because i think what you mentioned in the beginning about how everyone's your friend you know like your fans are your friends the great thing about this album is that you are you know we all have group of friends that we grew up with and we appreciate and you kind of are representing that not just for yourself but for people who listen to it so how much of it is like you speaking from a personal story versus you trying to speak through through others on like you know this is maybe what you guys want to tell your friends or you know let let's let it all out on the table tell you know tell them what's up before that it's too late right with that song in particular the whole record is me speaking from personal experience so you know there's lines where i say you know i'm perceived as sort of making it toast to all the imagery and all of the mistakes in it so you know my friends look at me as yo he made it you know we all grew up the same way yo sky's on tour sky's on mtv sky's on the radio he's in magazines he works with this artist and that artist and all these different people he made it so I'm saying, yeah, toast to that, toast to all the imagery, to seeing that and all of the mistakes in it, because have I really made it? I don't know. I made it in some regards for sure. You know, a lot of people, you know, ha have done way less and, and, and have gotten caught in a lot of traps where I'm from. So I've made it in that regard. But 
there's still so much that I want to do and still, still so much that I want to conquer and that I feel is in front of me. And there's so many perils and so many cons that come with the pros of where I'm at, you know, as far as making it as an MC and being in the game is great. And I'm honored and humbled by it. But there's so many cons and perils. I don't even know if you could call it making it. You know, there's so many cons to, to combat the pros. So that's what that line meant. You know, but that, that song in particular, the whole thing is personal experience. The whole thing is me feeling this guilt as a kid for having both of my parents, even though we all share the hero with one another. We all play ball every day. We all saw the guys driving down the block with the drop wranglers and the Q45 Infinites, and we wanted to be that guy, and we wanted to know where they where they got all that from and how they made it and how they made their money and you know how that all happened and we wanted to get involved with it and we all did some of the same dirt together even myself included you know but I feel like I went this way and they went that way because I was blessed and a little more fortunate to have both parents but then there's a part that felt guilty as a kid for that but wrongfully so you shouldn't feel guilty for having both of your parents you know so that's what the record is about so that whole song is 100% personal experience not to get therapeutic, not to get therapy, but but is this this song? Is this the first time that you're sharing this with your friends, or is this kind of or, or an album like this? Do you kind of have like you know a listening session with them prior to releasing something like this? I don't know if it's the first time sharing it because these are all things that we went through together. It's not like I felt like I hated my friends and they didn't know. You know what I mean? It's nothing like that. But. Um, you know, some of my friends, they heard some of the music beforehand because I brought my friends in the studio to do drops on the album. So when you listen to the album, you know, after All Day Always, my man A is on that. And then after Everything's For Sale, my man Foof is on that. And Civilized Leisure, my man Mel is on that. So, like, you know, there's my friends all throughout the album. So when they would come to the studio, I would play them a couple records. So they heard records early on. They heard records that didn't have hooks yet because a lot of times I'll do a record and then do the hook last. So they heard, you know, ideas and sketches and things like that. But they didn't hear it from A to Z ahead of time. But, you know, with me, that, that wasn't a concern because my friends know the same way my fans know everything I say on a record is 100% real you know it's never fabricated or you told a story like this but it happened like that that'll never ever happen in my life or my career so you know it's nothing to worry about when my friends heard the record they lost it they were like oh this is amazing yo you you told the story and it's beautiful and it's nuts and you know these are guys who aren't in music they aren't in hip-hop all they know about it is me and what they hear on the radio and being fans of whatever they fans of, that's as close as they come to it, you know. And, and to me, that's perfect, you know. They, none of them rap. They may dibble and dabble a little bit messing around when they drink a Hennessy, but, you know, it's not to that extreme, you know. They, they live through me when it comes to all of that, and that's how I want it because we all live our lives a certain way, and we all respect and support one another and what we do. And at the end of the day, what, when we strip all that down, we still joined at the hip, and that's what this album is about. We're speaking of Sky Zoo, a new album's called Music for My Friends. Uh, there's a track on the album, Suicide Doors. Uh, one thing I really like, uh, besides the actual the entire body of work, is that at the end of the track, you let it breathe with just instrumental. Uh, why make that decision? That's just me being a, a, I guess the musicianship coming out of me. You know, that's just me being a music guy outside of the lyrics, outside of the rhymes and everything. That's... Uh, you know, just who I am as an artist and the type of music I want to leave behind, you know, so having trumpets come in and having string sections come in on other records and having records break down and you pull out certain parts of the drums and th that's just the musicianship, you know, uh, it's nothing more than that. It's just me wanting all of the elements to kind of breathe and, and let the music rock. I always believe in the music being 
as big as possible, as, as grand as possible while making sense. Sometimes you can overdo it, overproduce a record or whatever, and then you lose it and you lose people and you lose the essence of what it is. But there's certain situations where, you know, it, it goes a certain way because it has to or it needs to or should to. And that's one of those records. Also on uh, Suicide Doors, you spit. It's like product concealing the end is in a sense. Our lights got us concealing the winds where it begins. It's right by us. You kind of talk about you've, you've spoken about this lyric, um, and you said that you know it's 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 admitting that each with each album it gets harder to kind of understand your lyrics, which is which is great. Uh, but why why do you continue to make it uh, tougher for you? Is it to kind of challenge keep challenging yourself as an artist, or I mean, is there anything behind it? Well, it's definitely to challenge myself as an artist first. You know, it's shooting a thousand jumpers a day, I like to put it. You know, Ray Allen shot a thousand jumpers a day, you know, 365, and that's why he is who he is. You know, Jordan won rings, took two weeks, went to the Bahamas, went back to the gym in August when everybody was, was going back in October. You know, it, it's that mentality of getting better and better, no matter how great the people say or think you are. So with that being said, it's definitely challenging myself, but also it's for the listeners and the fans. I feel like I got to raise the bar for myself and, and for the listener and the consumer. And I feel like with music nowadays, it's so easy to get music for free. It's so easy to grab music wherever you want. I could grab somebody's album in two minutes, you know, no problem. As can you if you wanted to, you know. So with that, what makes people want to purchase? What makes people want to say, I know I could stream it legally. Or I know I could download it illegally, but what makes me want to give Sky Zoo or whoever else $9.99 for an album? Well, this is what makes it worth it because it's going to continue to serve you after the fact. People buy an album, they listen to it once or twice, and they figured it out because it wasn't dense. It didn't hold a value. It didn't hold a weight. You know, they listen to it once or twice. They got it. They understand it. You know, get it, got it good, kind of like Sam Goody. You know what I mean? Like, you get it, you got it. All right, I'm good. I understand it. But with my music, I try to make it where it continues to serve you. So maybe a couple months later, maybe a year, maybe five years, you're still finding things in it. Because we listen to Illmatic, we listen to Ready to Die, we listen to Reasonable Doubt, we listen to all these different albums, and they still serve us. You know, you listen to them 20 years later, and you're still finding things in it. You're still like, wow, look at that. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, I get, okay, double lines, all right, all right, I get that, 20 years later. That was worth the $9.99 that you spent or the $12.99 or whatever it was at the time. That was worth it. So for me, if I make the music this way, it continues to serve you so you don't feel bad for spending money when you could have got it free. You know, that that's really why. It's for the fans. It's for the people, for the consumer to feel proud to be able to support the music and to continue to uplift the culture and uplift you know, lyricism in the sport, you know, I believe in being a lyricist, I believe in me, and what I'm putting here for is, is lyricism, and I believe in continuing to uphold that and raise that flag. You mentioned obviously a lot of things there, but one thing you mentioned, uh, you, a few basketball references, Ray Allen, Michael Jordan, uh, and in, in the album, you also have more basketball reference with Earl the Pearl, uh, Drexler, D. Brown, which is throwback from the past, D. Brown. Uh, what, what, Obviously, basketball is important in your life. But what? How? How does basketball influence kind of the art that you do? Well, for me, that's all just from growing up where I grew up at. You know, you come from the inner city. The only thing there is to do is play basketball as far as sports, because it is. People always wonder, you know, why there's so many. And it's going off topic, but people always wonder why is why is the NBA 80% black? Why is, you know, baseball maybe, you know, 20% black or whatever it may be? Well, because baseball and football, these different sports, they're a more expensive sport. So when you're a kid growing up, 
first of all, you got to have eight other friends. It's got to be nine of y'all minimum, if not more. If you want to play stickball at that or whatever it is, or Little League Baseball, you need even more than that. You need pads. You need equipment. You need this, that, and the third. In the cities, there's a basketball court on every corner. Why? Because it's cheap. All you got to do is go get a $10 basketball. You can learn how to be an incredible player, one of the best ever, mainly by yourself. You can go out there by yourself with a ball, no equipment, and just work on your game and, and move from there. So when you're from where I'm from, and I know that was going off topic, but when you're from where I'm from, basketball is everything. It's a way of life. Whether you play or not, it's what you know better than any other sport because it's right there in the inner city. So with hip-hop, that's all we have down here as well. So the two are definitely going to marry each other. You know, like I said in the documentary, I heard Illmatic, which to me is the greatest hip-hop album of all time. I heard Illmatic playing basketball. You know, I was on the court playing basketball at PS11 Park, and the guys were sitting in front of the park, you know, car by the fence or whatever, and parked up, and doors open, windows down. They were blasting Illmatic while they was leaning on the car, drinking a beer, drinking Hennessy, and shooting dice while we was playing ball, you know, playing three-on-three or whatever it was, and calling our guy next. That's where I heard Illmatic. So the two are always married for me, you know, and just being a fan of the sport, you know, I'm I'm as big a fan of, of basketball as I am music, you know. For me, music was love one, and basketball was 1A. You know, it was, they were neck and neck, and they still are. So uh, I just like to throw all that in there. It's a, it's a cool way to use metaphors and, you know, compare things and you know, c- compare things and, and do different things like that as far as punchlines and bars and things of that nature. So, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan of the sport. In the track uh, Luxury, you repeat the phrase uh, FGR, First Generation Rich. Um, and you've explained in the past that it's about being the first person in your family to make it. Um, how much pressure or how much weight are you carrying to be the first person on your shoulders to be the first person in your family to actually make it? Well, for me, it, it's pressure that I put on myself. You know, I'm blessed to have a family that doesn't look at me as if you don't make it, we're doomed. And that doesn't mean we're rich by any means because we're definitely not. But my family is whatever you do, you do it well, love what you do be a stand-up individual and be yourself no matter what. So the pressure to make it is self-inflicted. I put that on myself because I feel like the people behind me, my family and friends, deserve to see me make it. And they deserve to be able to chill and lay back and, and, you know, let everything flow naturally off of me making it. So it's a self-inflicted pressure, but, you know, it's good to know that as long as I am who I am, you know, my people will be there supporting me regardless. Uh, another track on the album which I really like is uh, Money Makes Us Happy uh, featuring Black Thought and Bilal. Um, you rhyme from a perspective of a 13-year-old boy who thinks money is, the, money is the end-all be-all, right? And then Black Thought rhymes from the older guy who thinks money is the worst thing in the world and, you know, we're all doomed if we have it. Um, first, why attack this subject, but also uh, where do you fall regarding these two perspectives? Well, with the subject, it just ties in with the theme of the album. You know, the album, music for my friends, is my friends and I, what we saw 13, 14 years old, what we were taught, what we were told by going outside every day, hanging out outside, and the things that we saw on a day-to-day basis and how that shaped us. So that ties right in. You know, the record before it is Sea of Key. The record before that is Everything's For Sale. The record before that is Luxury. So all of these records tie in together. It's like you see these things and you want them. You're told that this is how you get it. You go to sleep at night dreaming about it because it's what's embedded in your head. And then you wake up realizing that this is what it is, for better or worse. And it just tied right into it. And um, 
you know, it, it's how we were taught. It's, it's 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 what we were taught and how we were raised. You know, money makes us happy. It's how we were taught to move every day. You know, money makes us happy. We saw that outside because we saw so many people around us, whether it was our families, you know, mine included, whether it was, you know, people outside, friends and whatever it was, we saw the struggle because of lack of money. And we saw when money came in the picture, we got happy, myself included, you know, when you get $20 as a little kid, you happy. You know, 13 years old, you come up on $20, $50, you happy. That's the greatest day of the week, you know, whatever, however that came. 13 years old, I got handed $50, I was on, on, on a cloud, you know, and that, that's how that works out where I'm from. You know, it may not work out for everybody like that based on where you're from, but where I'm from and the way I was brought up, that's what we saw. Money makes us happy. And they say money makes the world go, money makes your girl go. Money turns some of its earners into something terrible. Ask yourself, what is the person that was in the miracle? Why am I unrecognizable, so unbearable? In the pursuit of paper, it was then I wasn't there with you. To do it over, I'd have taken better care of you. It costs money for the birth, more for the burial. Purposely, I'm saving up to purchase us a miracle. We want more, but need less. Desires and requests, I guess, moving constantly at this rapid speed, just affecting my velocity then the evil got to me and strangely if the around change my philosophy i always heard it's not the quantity but it's the quality you know honestly you mentioned track before that um in the nca key featuring jada kiss uh where she discussed once again you discussed kind of a rich lifestyle that comes with drug dealing and hustling um and the consequences that come with it um is this track for you meant as a deterrent and if so besides using rap music to be a deterrent what else in your personal life do you do to try to deter people from this i guess it could be looked at as a deterrent i just wanted the record to really speak on a on a reality you know it, it literally came the concept came from a dream that i really had i really had a dream that all that was happening one night and it was good and then it got bad and it was wild and i woke up like whoa what was that and i said that has to be a record I think the dream maybe happened like a year and a half ago, and I just sat on the idea, but I was like, that has to be a record, hands down. There's no way that this cannot be a record. I got to do this. And uh, it made sense to put Jada on it because he does that better than anybody else, I think, as far as that concept and being able to walk on those lines and dance with that. So the record, I really just wanted the record to be just a picture i just wanted to paint the picture it wasn't about right and wrong and just say no i've never made just say no music quote unquote i've never made music that said drugs are bad and do this and i never made music that glorified either the music just puts it in front of you and then you take from it what you take from it and you decide whether you want to go left or right knowing what you need to know beforehand the biggest issue is people don't know what's ahead of them beforehand people don't know and that's anything in life people don't know what's ahead of them when they make decisions and then they wind up regretting those decisions and wishing that they could take that back because they didn't know if you know what's up from there whatever you choose to do is what you choose to do so i just wanted the music to paint a picture and as far as the deterrence i mean hip-hop for sure you know i always tell people music saved my life because uh, anything could have happened anything else could have happened but the music was always from day one i mean like i said nine years old and i grew up on hip-hop before that you know you're five six years old you look out the window guys is leaning on the car with the girls and hip-hop is playing from a boombox. you know i would look out the window and see that every day or my mother would take me to school my father would take me to school and the guys was in the park, the guys was in the lobby tagging the wall and, and blasting hip hop. You know, that was just what it was in the 80s. And then as I got older, 
I wanted to get involved. And then once I started getting involved, there was no turning back. So hip hop was everything from day one. Dreams come true at the end of the day. Uh, pray before I wake that I finish the yay. Pray. When you don't recognize your blessings, you send them away. Fash. But let's keep that on the D lo. When I go to sleep, I see a kilo. What? This week of Sky's new, uh, new album, uh, Music for My Friends. Uh, there's one thing that I noticed uh, when, I, when I first was listening to, uh, to the album. Um, in the first track, All Day Always. Um, the n-word is scratched out about three or four times uh and then i was like well that's interesting i mean in my mind i was like that's an interesting decision and i you know thought i might have had the radio copy of it um and i made sure it goes back to you talking about how like you have to listen to you know you want your albums to be listened to more than twice uh so the first listen to the album was actually to hear if there was any n-words uh and that was my first whole listen i actually didn't get to you know i wasn't really paying attention to the content quite yet but that said, why make that conscious decision not to use the N-word in the album? Well, as far as the duration of my career, I never used the N-word. So that's the irony in putting it there and scratching it out. I never used the N-word um, in my music and in my day-to-day life. You know, I never used the N-word. Uh, it's just a decision I made as a teenager. You know, as a teenager, I just realized that it didn't make sense. For me personally, all of my friends use it all day. No problem. You know, I don't preach to them. I don't preach to them saying you should do this and you should change that. But it's just a conscious decision that I personally made. All the guys that I grew up listening to, the guys that I'm still a fan of and listen to every day, they use it. I don't preach it. I'm not the guy who's in the studio with people trying to talk them out of it. But if I'm asked, I give my take on it. But I don't preach about it. But throughout the duration of my entire career, I don't use that word. I've never used that word in a record in my life. Um... So when it came to All Day Always, I wanted to use the word to describe how those around us looked at us when we were kids. But I still didn't want to use it. So I used it on a record. I I literally used the record in the booth, and then I said, I want to scratch it out. I want to put it where you can hear what it is, but you reverse it or, or you mute it out or whatever it is. So all of that was on purpose, you know, because I'm saying... They told us don't grow up to be one of them. You know, all the old the old people on the block who look just like us but were, you know, our seniors told us don't grow up and be typical. Don't grow up and, and become what these guys are. Watch out for those guys that you hang out with every day. And to me, I looked at them like, what do you mean? Like, these are guys that I would I live and die for. These are my family. They aren't friends anymore. They're my family. I can never look at them as somebody who would bring me down because that's the way you, you grow up where I'm from, that these guys are who you ride with no matter what. Loyalty is everything. Loyalty is your middle name. And you stand tall no matter what. And that's what that four bars or six bars or whatever it is, that's what all that's about. So I purposely used the word and scratched it out. But if you go back to all of my music, if you hear the word on a song of mine, it's because the featured artist used it. If I do a record with whoever, whether it's Freeway or Jada or whoever it is, if they used it, I'm just picking names out the sky. But me personally, you never hear me use the word on a record or in my day-to-day life. For this album, I mean, the, with the features with the Black Black Thought or Jada, um, did you have a discussion with them not to use it, or was that just kind of their own thing? Because that, that was the one thing, I, when I was listening to it, I saw Jada's name, I was like, well, Jada, right. he'll use it. And then I was shocked when he did it. Right. So I was like, is that, then I was wondering, was that something you asked them not to, or is that just kind of just happened? Right. Nope, I didn't ask them that at all, because I don't believe in censoring other people's art. 
I don't believe in telling people, well, you're on a record with me, so you can't do this, so you can't do that. Now, if someone asked me, you know, Sky, I'm a, I'm a Christian artist, so don't curse on the record. Okay, I respect that, and I won't do it, you know, because I do curse. I just don't use the N-word. But if someone asked me not to, you know, use certain words or mention certain topics on a record, on their record, okay, I respect that. You know, as long as we're on the same page, cool. But I don't believe in censoring somebody else's art. So I didn't go to Jada or Black Thought or whoever and say, yo, don't use the word, don't use the word. Maybe they heard me and didn't use it, or maybe when they were writing, it just didn't come to them to use it. And subconsciously my vibe may have affected them which is cool you know which is a good thing but i don't believe in censoring art so i would never do a record with somebody and say don't use the word you know if you look at bow brothers with myself and toray toy uses the word all over the album you know what i mean and i don't but i didn't go in there and have a conversation and say don't use it you know i don't believe in that uh i just want to quickly turn to a couple other topics uh i know you're from reading up and you know knowing that you're a sneakerhead uh i'm admittedly not one i have a lot of, i have a lot of sneakers nice. But, uh, and my wife might kill me because I keep buying them. But uh, I, was, we were, I was wondering, I like to compare, like, you know, obviously, like, you know, you put basketball and hip-hop together. I like to always compare, like, for, for you being a sneakerhead, if, if, if sneakers were albums, hmm. what pair would be your Illmatic or what other, you know, or any other albums that, I guess, your first, your top three pair versus your top three albums? Oh man, what a question! Um, never got asked that before. That's great. Wow. I guess the Illmatic of sneakers for me would be the the black and cement elephant uh, Jordan threes, the 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 black Jordan threes with the the gray elephant uh, cement print or whatever. Um, yeah, the black Jordan threes. That would be my Illmatic. I think that's that's the perfect all-purpose sneaker you can almost wear those wear those sneakers with anything you can wear them you know dressed up khakis and whatever whatever you can wear them dressed down shorts or sneakers i mean shorts or jeans or whatever it may be so the black jordan threes the penny ones definitely would be up there uh i think you gotta go i'd like to go air force ones just because of the, the new york nostalgia uh they haven't transitioned as well as, as the other two that I named, but they still matter because of what they did for the city and, and for sneaker culture as a whole. Uh, foams before they ran through them, foam posits before before Nike started running through them with all the wild colors and stuff. But, you know, the royal blue foams, eggplants, and pearls, those would be up there for sure. But you said three, so I guess I would say Jordan 3s, Penny 1s, uh, which both are on my album cover for music for my friends, by the way. Conscious decision. Um, Jordan threes, Penny ones. I don't know if I can go Air Force ones top three. I could go top five. I don't know about top three. I don't know if I can go. Yeah. Okay. So so Air Force ones, mids and lows rather. Either way, for me personally, Jordan eights got to go up there. That's just a personal. A lot of people may not agree with that, but that's a personal decision. The aqua ones, the black and aquas. And, oh, man, that's so difficult. I'm going to have to leave that last one open-ended and let the people decide that one. <laughs> we're, we're obviously in Brooklyn, and, um, and you've, you've talked about this uh, in past interviews. You've talked about the effects of gentrification um, and how it causes people really to, like, to move, have to get forced out of their neighborhoods because everything becomes too high. I mean, even in you know, neighborhoods, even like local shops get priced out. Uh, and another thing, a big thing about gentrification is that it's great to have these new businesses in the neighborhood, but the people that 
live in that actually live in this neighborhood live in the neighborhood uh, they don't appreciate that they're not included in these new businesses but for you how has gentrification changed your mission uh, and the reason you share your art well gentrification you know it, it's been good and bad it's been pros and cons like everything that we deal with in life uh, you know the pros are the neighborhood is cleaned up a little bit more and the cops may come a little bit quicker and it looks a little nicer and kids can hang outside a little later you know later than we did when we was growing up here so it's cool in that regard but the cons and my thing with it is that there's so many things changing in the neighborhood and the people who had to suffer when no one wanted to come here now don't get to enjoy the betterment of it you know it's one thing that somebody to suffer 20 30 40 years living here and then when it changes, okay, bet. We suffered, so we deserve the fruits, the fruits of the labor, so to speak. You know, we deserve to enjoy it when it changes and it gets better. But then we're pushed out, we're kicked out, we're looked down upon by people from the other side of the country or the other side of the world that move here and want to live here and start a family here now. You're welcome. Come on in. You know, we're all here and, and we're welcoming and we're a community and we're a family. So come on and enjoy. But then when we're walking past each other down the street, walking our dogs, and we nod, don't look the other way or look down or look at us like you're better than us or why am I looking at you or acknowledging you you'll be gone in two years anyway don't do that to us that's what's going on and that's the problem that the people who've been here from jump myself included have an issue with as far as gentrification you know you're taking the community and the family vibe away from it my neighborhood was like do the right thing you know we had our own mayor, my man Kelly, you know, rest in peace. We had the old ladies sitting on the steps and looking out the windows, which you saw on the cover. You know, um, my neighborhood was just like, do the right thing. We had we had Luigi's up the block. We still got Luigi's. We got Luigi's up the block, which was our South's famous, minus the riots and, and the racism and all that. But Luigi's is still rocking, you know. So we had that. My neighborhood was like, do the right thing. And um, don't take that away from us. You can enhance it and add on, but... We ain't trying to lose that because that's, that's culture, that's community, that's family more than anything, you know? I feel you also hear bit, like new businesses that are coming in the neighborhood. You hear like the owners talk about as if people didn't live there before. They're like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, in Harlem, for example, like, yeah, Harlem Lights really like to drink. And you're like, that's not a new thing. You know, people like to drink. And right. it's just like, just don't pretend like no, you, you're like, you just discovered this area. It's like, just happened. I want to go back to the album, uh, Music for My Friends. What track for you... Uh, I mean, as of today, best represents kind of your overall mission with this album. Wow. Overall, I don't know if I could pick one. Um, you know, an album, the tracks on the album are like kids, you know. Yeah. You can't pick a favorite kid. But I think representation of the album, uh, All Day Always, even though it's an intro, All Day Always, Everything's for Sale, uh, Civilized Leisure, the experience. Those records really represent the album. The whole album represents the album, obviously all of the music, but those records I think really embody the points that I'm trying to get across. And of course, uh, the best way for us to keep you know, following what you're doing and cop the album and any tour dates involved? Yeah, the best way to uh, keep in touch and to follow is uh, Twitter at SkyZoo, that's S-K-Y-Z-O-O, -O. Instagram at SkyZoo, the writer. SkyZooTheWriter.com online is, is uh, the website, SkyZooTheWriter.com. And tour dates, August 28th, Baltimore at the Maryland Art Place. August 7th, before that, August 7th uh, at the Apple Store in Soho, 
Meet the Musician. I'm doing that. Myself and Rob Markman. Shout out to everybody at, uh, at Apple for putting that together. So that's August 7th. And then Baltimore, August 28th. L.A., North Carolina, all that stuff is coming up in, in September. Overseas stuff. A lot of stuff gets planned kind of on the fly. So from now throughout the fall, there'll be a lot of different things. But everything goes on Twitter and Instagram. So just check that, and you'll be able to keep up with where I'm going to be at. Uh, he's the great Sky Zoo. The music, new album is Music for My Friends. Sky Zoo, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tim Einenkel on rapstation.com. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. To the corner was the sweetest call of water All for you to want to climb up on us now Salute to the experience Sweeter than sweet potato souffle Store runs for extra sugar And those runs showed us more Than those who sent us ever would have Or as sweet as a scam that left our fingerprints dirty But our sneakers clean and our company cleaner The taste of life in all its glory Be it Harvard or heinous We took it where none would take it And poured Henny over its story Back when me and Biz played the coupe, he showed me the lane, I showed him stoops. We showed each other money, and loyalty be everything it seems to. So Lil Biz, it be straight if you ever need, dude. The same agenda applies to all of my friends who saw that coincided was nothing coincidental. Never, it's just the way we put together, and none of this shit could be any better. Salute to the experience. A generation generating genius, hard-headed like the curb beneath us. They say in the absence of logic, you search for motive, but really motive defines us based on being aware of logic and aware of the dollars and yeah, more money, more problems, but no money, no options. See the logic? And for that, we salute to the experience. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.